Welcome, welcome, welcome once again at Kopi Vest. This is your host, Vance here, right here, Wednesday, 9pm. Yes, we are back live. But before we even start our program today, I'm going to give a good, great, great shout out to Biodynamics Asia for the sound system. Thanks, Biodynamics Asia. It's an amazing sound system. The earphones, the sounds, the speakers, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for that. As always, a big supporter. Yes, so the month of January is full of health topics. And that's where we are going to come on the Glaucoma Awareness Month with my guest speaker, Dr. Jayant Hayer. He's a senior consultant of the Glaucoma Department in the Singapore National Eye Center, SNEC. He's also the head clinical and service quality and the lead of the global ophthalmology of SNEC. So without any further ado, I'm going to invite Dr. Jayant Hayer. Hello, doctor. Hi, hi, Vance. How are you? Uh, and how is everyone this evening? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And I know, Doc, you just finished up another meeting yeah. and immediately you just jump in. I think you didn't even jump in. You just linked up and then you get connected. Thank you so much for your precious time, Doctor. My pleasure. My pleasure. I hope you can hear Doctor. me clearly. Thank you. Yes, we do. Doc, can you just want to do a quick introduction of yourself? I know I have done the introduction, but just a little bit more about yourself so that our viewers, um, and of course, viewers are actually welcome to ask Dr. Jayant uh, a lot of questions later. Of course, we have the time. We will take the last 15 minutes for the Q&A. But doctor, just a little bit more about yourself, doctor, please. Thank you. Yeah, so as, as, as you can see, I'm Jayant Venkatramani Ayer. I'm a senior consultant in the Singapore National Eye Center, SNEC. And I also uh, run clinics in Changi General Hospital for uh, general ophthalmology. And uh, I subspecialize in a condition called glaucoma, which unfortunately is a little prevalent in our society and it's a blinding condition. So besides general ophthalmology and lasers, I also subspecialize in, uh, in glaucoma. So that's the main bulk of uh, where I spend my time running clinics doing surgeries in these hospitals, running very busy practices, as many of you might know, SNEC or Singapore National Eye Center, Caswell, more than 50 to 60% of all eye care in Singapore. You know, so it's a relatively busy place, but uh, very fruitful and meaningful. But uh, besides that, I am very passionate about uh, vision and uh, the inequitable uh, distribution uh, of uh, availability of good eye care and healthcare bothers me as it should bother most of us, most doctors and most people. And uh, because of that, I, uh, along with a few uh, committed fellow colleagues of mine and friends of mine, we set up the Global Ophthalmology Division in the Singapore National Eye Center as well to, first of all, uh, hone processes within Singapore itself to better uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, deliver idea. And also secondly, share our expertise and, and work with regional players in Southeast Asia and beyond to ensure that, uh, you know, um, people don't go blind unnecessarily and good eye care is available worldwide properly, you know, and there's, uh, people should not be uh, losing their sight just because of where they're born or, you know, what resources they have. And unfortunately, that's happening. And that's one of what I do as part of SNEC. And um, an important part of my work, uh, life uh, outside of office, I was also involved around Vision where I set up the charitable organization along with my colleagues, uh, Dr. Jason Lee, in KTPH, and my a uh, friend, good friend from my JC days, uh, Avinash J. Raman, uh, called the Vision Mission, where we kind of uh, do capacity building work to teach uh, various, you know, they say, you know, teach a man how to fish rather than giving him a fish, right? So that uh, more people, you know, more people can be fed. Although I'm vegan, I use that, uh, <laughs> use that saying all the time. And essentially, I think uh, what's important is teaching people, teaching right people, right-minded people, 
appropriate skills so that they can be the heroes and, and empower their patient population with good vision. So we are doing that as part of the Vision Mission. It's a separate organization that we set up. It's uh, largely uh, run by Singapore-based volunteers, but we get a lot of volunteers from the UK, US, India to help us in this mission to kind of spread good vision worldwide. I, uh, I suppose that's... Uh, and of course, uh, I'm also... Uh, a, a proud father of two young kids, three years old and six years old, and a lot of my time also, uh, remainder of my time goes spending time with them. Uh, and, and, and I think that sums up uh, a little bit about me. Uh, doctor, that schedule sounds crazy, but I got to be very honest. So, yeah, so thank you so much, even though it's, I know it's a busy day for you and I know what's all about yourself in schedules and kind of stuff. But doc, okay, let's just jump into this uh, Glaucoma Awareness Month. And I, I think um, it's very important, like what you say, the vision is very, very important. But um, do you think, Doc, in Singapore, the kind of awareness that we're going to talk about, either cataract or glaucoma, I know one of the speech that you have given that you have mentioned that probably, not probably, most will have cataract. Probably we'll jump into that topic later. But in terms of glaucoma, do you think in Singapore, especially... Um, do people take it this very seriously? I mean, do people really go for high pressure checks or they just want to check, make sure that it's a yearly check? That we will talk about it. But what is the awareness level in Singapore right now, doctor? The thing is this. I think uh, many studies have been done worldwide. And I suppose you don't really need to do studies for this, but people find vision to be their most important sense. You know, most learning happens through our eyes, through our vision. You know, vision and eyesight play a very, very important role uh, in, in, in the way we perceive and learn things. So losing it, as you can imagine, can have a devastating impact, both psychologically and also uh, economically for many people uh, in, in Singapore, and not just in, worldwide, really, in the developing world, especially, unfortunately. So vision is very important. And, and given that, unfortunately, there isn't as much awareness as we would like for common eye care, uh, eye-related conditions uh, worldwide, and even in developed countries like Singapore. So, you know, I mean, the statistics are quite devastating in recent studies that we have conducted in Singapore, you know, almost 80% of, of adults were not aware of their common eye conditions when they were diagnosed with it, uh, uh, you know, during regular screening. Uh, of course, I'm talking, uh, when we do screening, we do pick up early disease as well. And many of these diseases, eye diseases, which you can talk about later, if you pick them up early, we can prevent them from causing devastating vision uh, threatening complications, you know. So up to 80% of people were unaware that they even had common conditions such as cataract, age-related macular degeneration, glaucoma, and, and even refractive error. And unfortunately, this is associated with people who have a little bit of low, who are lower down the socioeconomic stratum, unfortunately. Uh, people who happen to have high blood glucose level, I mean, who tend to have diabetes and who didn't know yep. about it, and these people, interestingly, were those who are less likely to wear glasses. Because if you can imagine, those who are wearing glasses, they tend to go to the optician. They tend to figure out that they have an issue. And then optician and, or, or the optometrist might pick up, hey, hang on, you have something going on with your eye. So those who don't wear glasses, unfortunately, uh, tend to figure out that they have a disease at a later stage. And even amongst those with the vision impairment, uh, there's not that high a rate of utilization, you know, uh, about, you know, one third of them, even when they were aware, did not utilize the services that were available to them. And I'm talking about in Singapore. It's the situation's worse in developing countries. So much work needs to be done in improving the awareness of, of common eye conditions that are blinding and in ensuring that good eye care reaches them. 
and I'll tell you, no efforts are being spared. We are we are trying our best to to do that. And uh, I suppose fora like these help. Thank you, doctor. And, and I, I do agree with you because you see the importance of the uh, the awareness month, and they have actually put glaucoma in January itself. So you can actually see that you know the health organizations trying to get this exposure and awareness in the month of January itself rather than, you know, putting later. But, but that doesn't mean, you know, the, the month of diabetes can be in October. You know, it's not that importance or what. But we are looking at the, 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 the January itself. So I think that's why you are here today, Doctor. Thank you so much for that. Um, doctor, you know, I, I was reading an article. I'm not sure how true is that. You know, glaucoma, you can't actually detect unless if I have to go and check with a, a specialist like yourself. Um, what is your take on that, Doctor? And if someone has glaucoma, is there a sign or symptoms? I mean, okay, let's, okay, let's, I guess now you're going to be focusing on glaucoma. I mean, there's a lot to focus on with regards to eye diseases per se, but we will come to the broad picture, I suppose, a little later. Let's focus on glaucoma since this happens to be Glaucoma Awareness Month. Uh, in Singapore, let's, let's kind of keep it contextual for Singapore, right? Uh, about three to 4% of adults over the age of 40 have glaucoma. All right. And uh, the risk factors are really family history is a big risk factor. Previous injury to the eye. Uh, high myopia, which many of us, unfortunately, Singapore is the capital of myopia. That's another huge topic to talk about. But, you know, a high myopia is also a risk factor for glaucoma, you know. And uh, I think, uh, you know, largely age. Age is another huge risk factor for many of these diseases, you know. The older you are, the higher the chance you have, you know. So, like, 10%, you know, the percentage is about 3 to 4% over the age of 40. But over 10% of people over the age of 70 have, or the age of 75 have glaucoma, you know. So, uh, as you grow older, uh, you get glaucoma. So what is glaucoma? I suppose is really what you're asking, uh, yep. you know, and uh, before I even tell you about the symptoms, right? So imagine your eyeball is like, you know, eyeball is what uh, receives light, receives images, right? And that those images that are received and captured. So imagine your eyes on a camera, you've taken a photo, you're, you're looking around, you're gathering images, and that images are being imprinted on what we call the retina, which acts like how, you know, you used to have film cameras, like act like how the film is or the SD card, I suppose, these days, so, you know, and, and that captures that images. And those images are transmitted through a cable to the brain. And the brain is like a CPU that processes these images and that allows us to perceive vision. So this cable that connects the eyeball to the brain is what we call the optic nerve, right? So, so far coming with me, yeah? So the optic nerve basically means the nerve of the eye that connects the eyeball to the brain. So glaucoma is a condition that progressively damages this cable, damages the optic nerve. And, and with time, if you damage too much of the optic nerve, you can imagine even if the eyeball itself structurally is okay, the signals don't get transmitted to the brain and you lose vision. So basically the nerve cells are dying because of glaucoma and how does that happen there are many theories but essentially they the only thing we can do to kind of protect people from you know losing more vision from glaucoma so we don't have a way of fixing because we don't have a way of repairing the cable to reverse the loss of vision in glaucoma so it's one of those commonest causes of irreversible blindness it means you have it if it's very advanced age that's it you know you don't have a way of recovering it but we only have means currently to prevent uh, progression or to reduce uh, the i mean reduce progression or, you know, halt progression. And the way we do that is by lowering the eye pressure. So, uh, you know, so you may ask, is it, does it mean high pressure, high eye pressure means glaucoma? Yep. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as that. So, you know, it's all statistics and everyone's eye pressure is different at different times of the day. 
on average, most people's eye pressure follows, falls within the range of 11 to 21 mmHg, you know, millimeters mercury, typically, right, in each eye. Uh, but there are people who have so-called lowish or normal eye pressure, and they still get glaucoma. So, and there are people who have high eye pressure, statistically, like they might have pressure of 24, 25, and their nerves remain healthy. So these people are people that we observe, but we don't necessarily treat. And the people who have normal pressure to begin with, compared to the statistics, I mean, compared yeah. to the statistical normal, they have glaucoma. The only treatment we have is to lower their eye pressure further still. We are still coming up with other ways to uh, kind of protect the optic nerve, you know, to kind of reverse the damage, but all that is still under research phase. Right now, if you have glaucoma, regardless of what eye pressure you started off with, the only way we can treat it is by lowering the eye pressure using medications, laser or surgery. And in so doing, we prevent further damage to the nerve. So you can imagine less, more, so it's kind of eye pressure related damage to the nerve. So we're kind of reducing that by reducing the eye pressure. So then actually now to come to answer your question, right? You say many people, you read correctly, then many people yeah. don't realize as you know, I'm a bit long-winded and I apologize. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. but I needed to give the context. Others people may not get it. So, so essentially, why uh, do people notice that they have glaucoma? Most glaucoma tends to be over, right? So uh, some glaucoma can be this. I'll talk about open angle, closed angle a little later. I won't confuse the issue now. But most of the time, uh, people's eye pressure generally goes up insidiously. Or even people with normal tension glaucoma, like I said, people with normal eye pressure with glaucoma, they lose their nerve function over time, slowly. And this may be asymmetric. That means one eye loses vision more than the other. And most of the time, you and me, as you notice, we're opening both eyes to see. We don't even realize uh, if one eye is better than the other unless we make a purposeful effort to check. And secondly, we kind of... Uh, one eye covers the defect of the other. So let's say the top part of my left eye vision can't see, the right eye kind of covers up for it. So you mm -hmm. assume that you're actually okay. So what happens in glaucoma typically is that the nerve cells are kind of the periphery of your vision goes first, typically. Uh, and most people use their central vision to kind of see and navigate. They don't realize that how important their peripheral vision is. In fact, many people come to us, present to us in late stage of glaucoma. They say, oh, I keep knocking on to things without realizing it. That's because actually a lot of their peripheral vision has been gone. And they didn't even realize that they have lost vision. So glaucoma, is, is, that's why it's called a thief of sight, because it slowly uh, ebbs away and you know, eats away at your optic nerve until you lose the periphery of your vision. And by the time it hits your center of your vision, it's too late, typically. That means you have kind of lost 95% of your nerve before you realize it which is why screening is very important. This is for most types of glaucoma. There are certain types of glaucoma that kind of present acutely in sudden high pressures. And we can talk about the different types of glaucoma later. All right, doctor. Um, you, you just mentioned about eye checks as well. Um, I mean, you see, is it like a silent killer? Um, so it's, it's a bit sound scary, but um, I think it's very important. So what will your recommendation be, uh, even for the Singapore National Eye Center is, um, so let's say an average person should, I mean, test two times a year or once a year. What is the recommendation, doctor? I think typically, like for most health screenings, it's always good to have a check. I mean, first of all, if, uh, if you're over the age of 40, to have a general eye screen. 
uh, is a good idea. And many people over the age of 40 to 45, they kind of develop presbyopia, you know, uh, difficulty. Yeah. Reading. So that might be about a good time for you to go and get it checked, uh, you know, at the optician at the very least, or, or even at the, you know, eye center or any, it's just as a general health screening, just to check, oh, how are my eye condition? And most people will be fine. All right. Most people will be fine except for the, or the refractive error that I talk about. Like first by you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some people, we might pick up early conditions, uh, what we call glaucoma suspects or other diseases or early cataracts and stuff. We might pick it up and we let them know. And most of the time, there's not cause for concern. Having said that, so over the age of 40 or, or 45, I would say just one eye checkup would, would be useful. And then let that dictate the frequency of your future checkups. In case they pick up something, they will let you know. If they don't, then you don't need to. People who are on regular uh, steroid medications, you know, oral steroids, even topical steroids, you know, for various reasons, they tend to have uh, side effects in the eye, which include glaucoma, because the pressure can go up if people take steroids. It includes conditions like cataract. Yeah, steroids can induce a cataract. Uh, so these people who are on regular high-dose steroids, uh, chronically, for whatever medical condition they may be, need to go and see the eye doctor regularly, at least yearly. Uh, people who have a family history of an eye condition, specifically glaucoma, uh, you know, they need to go see a doctor. People who have high myopia, typically defined as more than minus six diopters or minus 600, depending on how you, how you want to call it. Uh, these people, it'll be good if they go and see an eye doctor regularly. I mean, at least once a year to just check because these people have other risks, including retinal detachment, retinal tears, uh, glaucoma, amongst other things. And people with any symptoms of, of, of uh, blurred vision in either eye that doesn't go away or halos or, you know, glare all the time when they see this uh, in the sea bright light. People with any such symptoms that seem to be persistent, uh, it'll be good that they go uh, have a checkup with the eye doctor to have a look. And uh, one thing that you don't need to see an eye doctor for is dry eyes because many, many people uh, have dry eyes. Dry eyes is uh, typified by, you know, uh, eyes feeling a little red, they have a bit of a critty sensation that comes intermittently on and off. And it resolves with simple use of drops like eye moho or artificial tears. These are very common conditions that won't go away. For these conditions, you can consult your GP or you can even buy these lubricant drops off the shelf yourself. But other than that, like those things that I told you about, it'll be a good idea for them to uh, see the eye doctor. And lastly, and very importantly, people who have been diagnosed to have diabetes, is already part of our system in our primary care, which is very strong in Singapore, wherein they are required to go for yearly eye checkups, amongst with yearly other checkups, including screen for the feet and nerves and stuff. And that will allow them to pick up any early eye disease that might result from diabetes. So these are the other people who must go for regular eye screening. Uh, with regards to children, very importantly, luckily we have many people going for, uh, in our school health services do this. Uh, uh, you know, if they find any, uh, if they find the kids, you know, very young children, right? If they find that like, them, you know, squinting the eye, looking through one side, you know, or or uh, eyes are red, you know, or the school health services finds that you know the vision is a bit uh, decreased, or there's any possibility of the eyes not looking straight, they need to see the eye doctor, pediatric eye doctor, mm. soon. And people with myopia, which unfortunately is very common in Singapore, especially amongst the young people, in a study that we did about. Uh, I think now it's 15 years ago when I was in the army. Uh, we found that 85% of all male conscripts have, uh, I was a CMPBMO, by the way. So have, okay. uh, have, yeah. 
have myopia. So that's a ridiculously high number. And, and uh, the numbers uh, not exactly decreasing, unfortunately. So, you know, uh, you if your myopia is increasing at an alarming rate, it's good to see the eye doctor because now we have medicines uh, that SNEC has researched and come up with uh, to kind of uh, reduce or, you know, uh, slow down the progression of myopia. So quite a long answer again, but I think hopefully that gives many viewers uh, the points for when they should get the eye checked and, and who they should get it checked up with. You know, you know, doctor, that was a very useful information as well. I mean, you you did cover it because no sign and no symptoms. But of course, at the age of 40 to 45, the myopia kicks in. And I think this is, should be taken as a yearly checkup. And also for those who have diabetes, I think it's also a very primary concern that we are talking about in Kopi with Vance. Thank you so much for the valuable information. But doctor, you see, at, at the current era right now, all our professionals, right, are spending eight hours. Um, some are actually doing more than 16 hours of screen time. And on top of that, they are always looking at their phone and there's no much distance. Before sleeping, also, they're looking at the phone. So it seems like we are looking at the phone more often rather than our spouses or even our friends. So that's going to be an issue, right? Um, but you see, with, with such a constant uh, brightness in the phone or even when we are looking, sometimes we get tired as well. Um, does this pose a very dangerous issues in the upcoming future? if you look at it, because every one of us is actually looking at the gadgets all the time. We are not even relaxing ourselves. We are like putting some cucumbers before we are sleeping, you know, that kind of relaxation techniques. But screen time, what is your take on that, doctor? Even now, as you do this interview, talking about eye, you're using screens. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate, but, but you know, it's very tough to advise people against it when we are doing it ourselves like this. Uh, it's... Um, it's... Uh, I would say in this day and age, it's unavoidable. Let's be realistic here. You know, we use a screen for a lot of things, good things and bad. Uh, and it's, uh, well, the, the secret for all of this is everything in moderation, you know. Uh, just because proteins are good doesn't mean you can have a 100% protein diet. It's dangerous, right? So similarly, I think for screen uh, time, uh, okay, let's divide this, right? For, for the young people, the youngsters, like children, they shouldn't be using too much screen time, maximum one to two hours a day maximum. The reason is this. We have found that a lot of near time, a lot of screen time predisposes people to getting myopia and progressing. So myopia, the risk factors include genetics. Basically, if your parents have it, there's a high chance you're going to get it. Uh, uh, Chinese have it a little bit more than the other races. But, you know, we compared Chinese from Singapore versus Chinese in China. We compared Indians in Singapore versus Indians in India. And we found that our rates of myopia were significantly higher than those countries, even though we share genetics. So that means that beyond genetics, there's also an environmental factor. And that is, uh, we are doing a lot of near work. Let's try to explain why this might happen in case people are interested. You know, can you, you know when you do near work, your eye tends to focus, right? So the rays are kind of coming from near and they're kind of divergent before they converge on. How it works is the eyeball, imagine this is the eyeball. The rays go in and it needs to converge with the lens into the back of the eye. So for objects that are very near, the rays are divergent before it needs to converge. So it will be in the eye's interest to make the eyeball a bit longer so that there's more distance so that it's easier for it to converge. I mean, it doesn't, I'm trying to simplify it, you know, uh, converge onto the retina so that it can focus. And longer eyeball means generally you tend to get my, my people who have myopia and have very long eyeballs. And with longer eyeballs, the nerve gets stretched out, the retina gets thinned out, and you get all those problems. So the more near work you do, you kind of encourage the eye to eyeball to grow in that way, right? Uh, 
So what do you do about it? So for children, I would say they always advocate, HPV has been doing this health promotion, but advocate for a lot of outdoor time if possible, frequent breaks from the screen, you know, especially children having uh, wide open fields to play as, uh, as idealistic as it may sound, that may be difficult to achieve, but you know, there are enough parks in Singapore to try to allow you to do that. At least one, two hours of outdoor time if possible would be very good. I try to inculcate in my, that in my kids uh, as far as I can. Uh, I think others should too. So not only because it's good family time, but actually it does stave off myopia to some degree. That's for kids. For adults, I think it's inevitable that many of us end up uh, using the computer a lot. Even I seem to look at my I, my computer screen more, more than I see my patient when I'm seeing the patient because there's a lot more to type information to look at than to actually say hi to it. You know, it, it's... That's the way it's become. So what you would recommend is, you know, uh, take 20 second breaks uh, every 20 minutes, try to kind of look away from the screen for a short while, give your eyes a bit of a break. Uh, and many people who complain of dry eyes tend to have a lot of screen time. Uh, you think about it. Okay. Basically, the eye produces tears to help protect our eyeball from the external environment. Okay. Um, when you get older, the tear film is not as thick as it used to be. It's thinner and the tears evaporate faster. We typically need the eyelids to blink regularly. Imagine like a car, you know, when you have a, a rain pattering on the car, on the car, uh, you know, uh, we kind of see that uh, on the windscreen, right? We kind of see that it's a bit blurry, but then when the windscreen wiper comes in and kind of smoothens out the entire uh, windscreen, you're able to see clearly. Same thing for the eye. You know, you need the eyelid to kind of gently do like a wiper effect regularly. Uh, but people who are using the screen, they tend not to blink as often, subconsciously, because you're focusing. And you already have a little bit of dryness because your tear quality is not good. So the, the tears evaporate faster. You're not spreading out the tears nicely. You tend to have gritty sensation, eye strain, tiredness, headaches that come about. So it accentuates a problem that you might already be having dry eyes. So I think uh, while screen time may be unavoidable, it might be a good idea to regularly take breaks in between screen time uh, so that uh, you give your eyes a little bit of break, allow the tears to form, uh, make your eyes more comfortable, reduce eye strain. That's kind of uh, the advice. So other than that, there's no known significant devastating effect, so to speak. Many people think, oh my, uh, think, oh my God, did I get glaucoma because of using too much screen? Oh my God, did, did I get cataract because of that? No, there's no evidence for that. Uh, it's more about the eye strain and irritation and discomfort. And I think for the younger age group we have covered, it could accentuate myopia. We're just going to take one question from one of the viewers by the name of Jesse, uh, and then we will move into the cataract because we want to cover the both and we are just in schedule for the time. Um, so we have a Jesse here said, Hi, Doc. Any suggestion for type 2 diabetes screening? Uh, what is the chance will affect my vision? So I think she's particularly posting the questions about regarding about diabetes and a vision as well. In Singapore, you know, uh, about 10 to 15, about 15 percent of people uh, over the age of uh, 21 have diabetes. It's a very high number, you know. And of course, if you're over the age of 60 to 69, about 30 percent have diabetes. So the number goes up as you get older, especially type 2 diabetes. So it's a very valid and very useful question. Um, and the problem is about, you know, uh, one third of people who have diabetes don't realize they have it. So it's one of those silent killers, like, like how glaucoma, I just explained, is a silent thief of sight. Diabetes can be a silent killer because by the time you notice a problem, it might be too late. So it's one of those things that you check up uh, when you go for screening, if you have family, if you have diabetes. So this is something you need to do with your family doctor or GP. 
So amongst those who have diabetes, about one third, about a quarter to one third have diabetic retinopathy. What's that? Basically because diabetes is a condition where your sugar level within the blood is not under good control. We won't go into the exact specific of why that happens, okay? But basically, there's too high a sugar level in the blood. The blood vessels become leaky and they start uh, oozing and bleeding, okay? And if that bleeding happens within the eye, in the retina, it can cause something we call diabetic retinopathy. And there are many stages of that. If there's too much blood or sudden burst of blood, it can cause blindness and it can become irreversible. So what do we do about it? We try to screen everyone who has diabetes with a fundus photograph. That means you take a photograph of their fundus or their retina. You know, we call that the fundus. And we kind of grade it and we check to see whether there are any early signs of diabetic retinopathy, any leaking blood vessels. And we alert the patient to it saying, look, this is the situation right now. It's in the mild stage. You can still, the ball is still in your court. If you do good dieting, exercise, take your medicines regularly, follow the doctor's advice with regards to your medications, keep the diabetes under good control. There's a high chance that these changes are reversible. But there's a certain point beyond which if the control is very poor, uh, many patients just botch up it. You know, they're like, yeah, I'm okay. Why? You know, I, if, if there are unfortunately a sizable number like that then uh, you may develop more sight-threatening complications, which will become irreversible. You might even need laser to kind of prevent it from going blind. You might need injections. And worst case scenario, you might need surgery when blood is uh, you know, filling the eye up. And that has happened called vitreous hemorrhage and you know, uh, very, very bad proliferative diabetic retinopathy. These cases, you might need surgery. And even then, surgery may not be able to fix it. And at that stage, it becomes too irreversible. So to answer her question or his question, uh, I think... If you have diabetes, you need to go for yearly eye screening, uh, which is performed at every most polyclinics. Uh, all GPs will be able to send you for that. And these photographs that they do are graded by professional graders. And we are moving on to a system of using artificial intelligence to grade these photographs. So not just diabetic changes, but also other changes like glaucoma, cataract. So uh, watch this space because very soon we'd be able to bring out screen to everyone, uh, hopefully in a more, uh, you know, uh, be more accessible to almost everyone in Singapore. Thank you, Doctor. And thank you, Jess, for the questions. Um, Doc, we're just going to go into the another part of the segment that we want to talk about, which is, of course, um, if you compare glaucoma and cataract, I think, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, Doc, because as, as, um, um, as a layman, I will probably will say cataract is more, the, the kind of awareness is more to the public rather than glaucoma. But, you know, people tend to know what is exactly is cataract, but in, in your expertise, um, if you can just explain to the viewers and ask. What, what do you exactly think is that? Let me ask. Let me let me turn the question on you. <laughs> so sorry, Doc. What's yeah. your question again? <laughs> what do you think is camera? Um, you know, Doc. I, I, okay, you want me to answer that? Yes. <laughs> I'll try. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much the lens. Okay. Probably not the accurate. A lot of people are witnessing it right now. No disclaimers, all right? Uh, disclaimer. So your lens actually get foggy as you get at all as you okay, age. I, mean, I mean, I would not have said anything different from you. Basically, okay. everybody's eyeball, like a camera, has a lens, right? Uh, it, the lens allows you to focus light onto the retina and you capture image. If it's in focus, you see clearly. If it's not in focus, you don't see clearly. But if light is not even going through, the lens is supposed to be clear. If the lens becomes cloudy or foggy, obviously not enough, not enough light passes through the lens onto the retina, you get foggy vision, you lose your vision, right? That's what cataract is. So the commonest cause of cataract is age-related. Sometimes it could be trauma to the eye. 
that uh, you know makes uh, you know uh, causes uh, acceleration or formation of cataract or sometimes it could be steroid medications like i like i explained to you that can result in cataract formation sometimes very rarely children uh, due to genetic genetic disorders may develop cataract but by and large the commonest cause of cause of cataract is aging senile cataract and that's largely because of lens the you know uh, proteins kind of forming uh, within the lens uh, becoming uh, the lens becoming browner and slowly becoming cloudier and foggier and and you lose vision so you're correct in the sense that most people uh, all people will get cataract you know after the age of 80 almost 100% of people have cataract you know 80% of people from the age of 65 have some form of cataract but just because a person has cataract cataract just literally means foggy i mean uh, lens getting older doesn't mean you need to do surgery because many people they have you know lens has become browner with age but they see perfectly clear and they're very happy with their vision for these people we don't do surgery for people when the cataract starts affecting their vision it's foggy vision they get very dim vision in especially in dimly lit circumstances they're unable to drive they're unable to perform day-to-day -day functions uh, uh, in these cases definitely surgery is the way to go because cataract unlike glaucoma since you were comparing the two can't be uh, can be cured glaucoma cannot be cured glaucoma can be uh, we can prevent the worsening of glaucoma but we can't cure it but cataract i can replace the lens of your eye with a new lens so what happens in cataract surgery which has amongst the highest success rates in the world and singapore national eye center has amongst the highest in the world as well uh, about 98 to 99% success rate what happens is we make a small cut about 2 to 3 mm incision very tiny incision in your cornea, the front part of it. You the black part of my eye. Uh, it's, it's actually a glass-like structure covering it called the cornea, which is transparent. Make a small cut there, access the lens, which is in the middle of the eye, remove it using a machine. We kind of uh, chop it into small pieces and remove it, emulsify it. And we replace that lens now, that is now empty, the lens bag. We replace and we put in a new artificial clear lens. And then the whole process takes about 10 to 15 minutes in good hands. Uh, if it's done well, and uh, it's because a lot of fine work, literally operating within one to two cubic centimeter of space. You know what I mean? Uh, if it's done well, basically uh, 97, 98 percent, or even higher, 99 percent of patients see brighter, better, and clearer after the surgery. Very, very. There are risks for any surgery, and these could include uh, very rarely infection, which can be sight-threatening. Sometimes inflammation that doesn't get better. Or sometimes the lens, we can't fully remove it and it drops into the back of the eye needing a second surgery. All these risks are there. But by and large, it's a day surgery. And for those who are affected or symptomatic for cataract, uh, the sooner the better. I mean, previously, people used to say you need to wait for it to turn right before you do cataract surgery. And that's using old technology about 40 years back. Nowadays, if the cataract impairs your vision, it bothers you, that's when you need to do surgery. When it bothers you, it affects your day-to-day -day life. Don't wait for it to get too bad. Because right now, technology is, allows you to get this safely removed and replaced with a new lens that should last you a lifetime. Glaucoma, on the other hand, since you're comparing, is I need to pick it up early. If I pick it up early, I give you eye drops typically to kind of lower your eye pressure. And sometimes you pick it up at a moderate stage or the eye drops don't work and the glaucoma progresses. So someone's asking, Deepam, Nyane students asking, do eye drops help? For glaucoma, yes, they are very essential. They are, life, uh, they are a lifeline to many patients. And you have so many good eye drops available. Each one with its own side effect profile. And once again, nothing is 100% in this world yet. 
Everything comes with risks, everything comes with side effects. But by and large, discuss that with the doctor. We may not have time to go through every medication here, but eye drops is a very useful tool, essential tool in the management of glaucoma. And glaucoma is a condition like diabetes where the doctor and patient need to work hand in hand together to ensure it doesn't get any, uh, any worse. And uh, if eye drops don't work, the next step, what we will do is glaucoma laser. Uh, different types of glaucoma need different types of laser. And uh, once again, the doctor will discuss that to you. Or glaucoma surgery, wherein, uh, you know, essentially uh, what we are doing is, I didn't discuss this actually earlier, you know, Vance, I can talk about this. Glaucoma, sometimes, uh, you know, the pressure goes up, I was telling you, right? So we need to find a way. What happens is the eyeball produces a fluid and it drains in a structure that we call the angle within the eye. Okay. Uh, this angle contains a drainage system. Think of it as a drainage system. If this angle is blocked, if it's blocked, right, people may get something called angle closure glaucoma, wherein the fluid is unable to flow out, pressure builds up within the eye, and it damages the nerve quickly. This kind of patient, they have symptoms of glaucoma. They get sudden onset redness, pain, blurred vision, and within two, three hours, they can go blind. So they need to see a eye doctor immediately. Right. Typically, in our population, the Chinese women tend to get it a little bit more than the other uh, gender or age group uh, or, or, or races. You know, this angle closure glaucoma. Uh, in Singapore, almost about 40% of all glaucoma is angle closure glaucoma, which is higher than uh, the Western world, which has a much higher preponderance of open angle glaucoma. Open angle glaucoma is when, when we look at angle, actually the angle appears wide open. So you can see the drainage structure there, but the drainage structure is not working properly, not so efficient. So even though I can see, you know, it doesn't get blocked. So over time, the pressure builds up. So it's more insidious, like yeah. I was discussed. That's why it becomes a thief of sight. So for the closed angle glaucoma, what some people do is they do a laser in the eye to kind of create an exit, an emergency exit for the fluid that's trapped to flow out. That works about 80-90% of the time. And sometimes you still need eye drops, you still need further surgery. For open angle glaucoma, there's another type of laser that helps to make the drainage system more effective. It's called SLT or selective laser trabeculoplasty. So like I'm saying, there are various types of laser that we can do to try to improve the drainage system of the eye. And if that doesn't work, if medications and medications aim to reduce the fluid production, lasers aim to kind of uh, improve the drainage system. If both of these don't work, typically we do uh, glaucoma surgery. So essentially I'm like a glorified plumber. What I do is I try to create a nice new areas for the fluid to drain out within the eye to lower the eye pressure. And there are many forms of such surgery. Right now in Singapore, we have many new forms of minimally invasive glaucoma surgery for early types of glaucoma, wherein you put a very miniature stent, very tiny, 0.1 mm is very, very, very tiny, 0.05, mm, where I stent the drainage and allow the drainage to improve. In more advanced stages of glaucoma, I need to do something called trabeculectomy or tube surgery, where I kind of create uh, uh, an outflow path within the eye structure for the fluid to drain out. So glaucoma surgery, though, is all about controlling the disease, unlike cataract surgery. So I think kind of that kind of gives you a fuller picture of yeah. management options for people who have glaucoma or cataract. And I answered some of your viewers' questions about whether eye drops are useful in glaucoma. And one person's asking about whether prednisolone, uh, is it considered high risk? Uh, it's a low risk versus low dose, typically. But if you're on it long term, Cumulatively, it may cause a problem. So it's always good to have one eye, one basic eye checkup, especially if you're in an older age group, to have it checked. You know, so many asthmatic patients on chronic steroids, you know, these patients, it's be good to have a baseline eye check to see how they are doing. Uh, 
Of course, two, three months of it doesn't make a difference, but you're going to learn it for a long, long time. I think it's a good idea to get it checked. So I hope that answers her question. You know, Doc, one thing for, for sure, I mean, I learned myself um, for today from your presentation is that, you know, for presentations on uh, glaucoma and cataract, it's way much different. Cataract, you know, you know, your, your visions are getting a bit blurry, you know, you tend to, you know, um, getting into knock, knock into things and kind of stuff. But, but glaucoma is like a silent killer. Um, that's, I think, actually, be a lot of... Let me correct that. Actually, no, yeah. glaucoma, cataract, you may get symptoms such as glare, such as okay. dimmer vision, blurred vision that is persistent. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Glaucoma, uh, at later stages, you might actually knock on the stuff at later stages. They may get, in the acute forms of glaucoma, you might see halos, you might see the eye becoming red. And in the severe, you know, the acute chronic, uh, acute angle closure glaucoma is telling you about when the angle yep. is actually obstructed. Suddenly, yep. they might get a very red eye, very painful eye uh, with uh, nausea and one-sided headache and vomiting and blurred vision. Then uh, with regards to uh, the chronic types of glaucoma is when I, it's, it's a thief of sight, but you might lose the peripheral vision without even realizing it before your central, your central vision is affected. Mm. Um, but of course, doctor, when we talk about glaucoma, I mean, you, you get all these symptoms only at the last stages. Um, typically. Not, yes. yeah, typically. So that's a bit scary. So yep, uh, people who are watching this yearly checkup is very good. Just like you're doing your blood test or the HbA1c for your diabetic test. I think eye checkup is very important. That is one of the reasons why at Kopi Advance we brought in our specialist, the greatest doctor we have here, Dr. Jayant, to talk about glaucoma awareness month and to get this exposure and awareness as well. So yearly checkup, I think, is very important. Uh, for every one of us. Uh, doc, you know, even for um, younger children that we talked about, you know, when they're, you know, starting to wear glasses or even at certain degrees, you know, they have to have, um, is there any, is there something to do with genetics? Um, certain of the kids have to start wearing glasses uh, at a younger age itself. Is there something to do with the um, eye conditions or probably will develop into something serious? Is there something parents should be worrying about? So you're asking me about children wearing glasses. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. So there are many types of, this is called refractive error. Refractive error means your eyeball is unable to focus light on the right part of your retina. So therefore you get blurred images and that can be corrected by glasses or contact lens, but you know, glasses, let's stick with glasses. And uh, it could be hyperopia, wherein the eyeball is too short. Imagine the eyeball is too small. Then the light rays are focusing where the light rays focus behind the eyeball because the eyeball is too short, okay? Or it could, uh, so these guys, they can't see near objects well, I mean, to keep it simple. Or uh, the eyeball's too long, wherein they're unable to focus on objects that are too far and the image forms in front of the retina. So you can imagine that you need to, image is focused exactly on the retina for you to see clearly. So there are two types, huh? one is myopia, also called short-sightedness because they can only see near, they can't see far. Another is called hyperopia, which is called long-sightedness. When they can't see near, they can see far a little bit. Okay. Uh, and there's also something called astigmatism. Astigmatism, you would have heard about it. Basically, that means your eyeball is not in. Uh, everyone imagines the eyeball to be like a ball, properly shaped, right? Regularly shaped on all sides. Astigmatism is a condition wherein the shape is steeper on one side and less steep on the other side. Do you know what I mean? So that's astigmatism. Uh, so glasses will correct for that. So children can get any of these or a combination of these. 
Okay, so younger children genetically, they, some children might be genetically predisposed to hyperopia. Many, many children already are born with a little bit of hyperopia because the eyeball is small and over time the eyeball grows to the right size. When it grows too long, they instead end up getting myopia or short-sightedness. Let's keep it simple. So what would you know if you're a child or a parent of a child? So if the child, uh, like I said, luckily now in our schooling system, uh, even in preschool, they kind of send uh, people to do a generic check of their vision. If uh, that shows any decrease in vision, then uh, you need to take them to the eye doctor or the optician and, the medicine, and typically eye doctor in this case to kind of get a check to see what's going on. Is it just refractive error? Is something else going on? Is it lazy eye? You know, that's another yep. condition we talk about. Uh, you know, and then you will take it from there. Uh, so there is a genetic predisposition to it. Uh, most people, uh, the commonest refractive error in Singapore and many, most of the world really for children is myopia, where they get short-sightedness. And that is something that has, a, like I discussed earlier, has an environmental cause, you know, too much near work, too little distant work and, and too much screen time, uh, too much reading, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so astigmatism is something that might happen to many children. I have a little bit of it as well. And that can happen with either myopia or hyperopia. So for parents, what they should do is just see if the school picks up any minor defect, go and see a doctor. If they find the children squinting or, you know, they're never seeing a screen looking like that or coming close, you know, yep. uh, then definitely get a consultation done with an optician at the very least, if not an eye doctor. Or they're complaining of, uh, you know, uh, of the eye looks slightly off, you know, not, not straight better see an eye doctor, you know, that could be squint, or that could be an early sign of amblyopia, which also means lazy eye. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of conditions to talk about, but yeah, that's kind of sums up. Uh, <laughs> you know why, doctor? That's why I think there is a study of the ophthalmology. Uh, a lot of, you know, studies are going on. And uh, in the medical science, every day is a new learning thing. And, and even when I can imagine, uh, you mentioned it's about one to two centimeter. It's a super tight place where you have to do all these fine tuning and cuts and all that it's an amazing stuff you know i i can just think about the 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 the, the, the nerves your your nerves of like how you you know stable and even though it would be very steady uh, even yeah. can 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 cause problems yes yeah so it's 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 an amazing work that you are doing doc so, so thank you so much um for spending your precious 52 minutes i know probably you have never ever taken your dinner right can i say that Ooh. It'll be happening soon. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah. so much for just jumping in into Kopi events and giving this awesome presentation to all the viewers on the importance of cataract and the uh, gluco, uh, glaucoma uh, awareness month, which is also what we are targeted about and uh, answering some of the questions for our viewers. Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, before you take a leave, Doctor, any final uh, advices that you want to give us? Any tips? that for all our viewers who are listening, that they should take note and take this serious? I think many people put aside many of the appointments because of the pandemic, you know. Uh, but, you know, in Singapore, it's relatively safe. The government has relatively good processes to kind of, uh, you know, keep that in check. So, for example, unfortunately, I've seen many a patient over the last year who didn't turn up for the appointment, scared of the pandemic, but ended up going blind in one eye because uh, they didn't take the medicine, which uh, the eye drop, which was supposed to have been taken, or they didn't consult a doctor despite the vision uh, dropping. So I think don't take this lightly. If, if uh, your vision has dropped for whatever reason, you have any such symptoms, 
you're run out of the you're run out of the medicines that you're supposed to be using. I think, especially in a country like Singapore, where access to eye care is relatively straightforward and easy, please, uh, please do it. You know, uh, and of course, take the relevant precautions you would for the pandemic. You know, so I think. Uh, don't use the pandemic as an excuse to to lose vision or not take care of your health in other ways. Uh, you know that's something that I noticed in recent times, and I thought I better let people know. And I think children, please go out and play a little bit more. I I should listen to my own advice myself and my own own young kids. Who my son my son is just going to primary one, and I'm already concerned about his books. I'm trying to make him read, read, read. But uh, <laughs> I think every weekend, every other day, I want to try to take him out. So I think me telling your viewers is also a reminder to myself to ensure I do that for my own kids. Uh, but yeah, so I think uh, these are my more and, and of course uh, screening, like we discussed, is very important for uh, adults over the age of 40 to 45 or people with a family history of eye disease or people with any symptoms or people with diabetes. I think uh, do go for screening as you're supposed to. And please uh, lead nice, healthy, happy lives. And we are happy to help in any way at Singapore National Eye Center or myself, uh, should anyone require a consult or an opinion. Thank you so much, Doctor. You said so well. I mean, especially kids should go out and play more, as well as adults also should go out and exercise. Uh, yes. uh, rather than just looking at a screen time. So thank you so much, Doctor. We will stay in touch. Uh, thank you, Dr. Jayant, so much for your... 54 minutes of your time. Thank you so much, Doctor. We will catch up soon. My pleasure. It's been fun, man. Have a good Thank one. You. We actually have a proper coffee uh, post-pandemic. This is called Let's Coffee and Roll. I, I am uh, looking forward to it. You know, dog, anything to do yeah. with coffee or coffee, I'm on, all right? So deal. let's do it. A deal. Your, okay. your, your word is being recorded, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hold you to it. All right. Uh, deal, deal. <laughs> coffee with Vance. We will catch up soon. Thank all right. So have a good have evening. A good evening. evening, everyone. Ciao. So that's Dr. Jayant Ayer, senior consultant. Um, amazing topic that we talked about. Um, he came on board uh, with a tight schedule, especially, and I, I can imagine uh, the particular gentleman probably with so much of schedule, uh, which I probably you know know what's happening at the backstage where you just literally just <laughs> didn't even jump to the seat. He just continued with uh, another topic that came in with uh, Kopi Advance and. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a great uh, year going to be 2022. We got so much of uh, different topics that's going to come up uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, the month of um, January, especially, we we talked about uh, you know uh, glaucoma, and also we're going to talk about thyroid. So thyroid awareness month is also the month of January. So we're going to go very specifically on each targets that are going to come up on each topic. So it's going to be a lot of uh, interesting speakers who are coming on board and sharing their expertise as well. Um, thank you once again, Dr. Jayant, who spent us almost an hour with us at Kopi with Vance, um, talking about all about the eye care, necessary importance. And you know, even I myself, I think, I'm not sure about you, uh, the glaucoma and the cataract, right? But luckily, I managed to answer the doctor's uh, question, you know, regarding about cataract, the fog, the, the lens is getting, you know, a bit foggy and then you need to change lens. And as, as we age, uh, just like any mechanical machines or cars that, you know, constantly we need to take care. But I think um, over the two and a half years with Kopi with Vance, I think we have tremendous amount of speakers who came on board. I think one most important thing that we need to do is a lot of preventive care. I think a lot of us, we only react when things happen. And I think that is where the huge problem comes in, right? Um, when someone has 
uh, the HbA1c, especially when we talk about you know in copy events, we talk all about diabetes topics. You know, when when someone's HbA1c is high, um, that then you start making changes. It's still okay, but some not even making the changes, and that can you can become worsen, right? You can go into another direction, and then all the other issues comes in, and then by then you want to do preventive. It's going to be a little bit more tougher than you could manage it. So preventive care is so much better rather than going into management. But right now with the technology and science and experts like Dr. Jayant and you know specialists who are coming on board to make things easier for the human. So it's a great, uh, I don't even call it a job. It's an amazing work they are doing, you know, um, from, from where they have graduated and where they are doing right now. So as usual, Copy Advance has come to an end and I'm going to catch you next week, which already a speaker is lined up for, where we're going to talk about the thyroid. Right, and then we are going to finish up the month of January. Then we're going to go into the heart awareness month. We're going to go into bleeding disorders. Um, there's a lot of more other topics that's going to line up already for our viewers at Copy Event. So join me as usual. Um, if you see this video, please do share and like. Uh, if you do have any comments, um, please type it out to me, Copy Events, um, our Facebook page, and We'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. So I think it's my time to make a, a break already at a get going. So all of you all have a lovely evening. And I'm going to catch you again as usual, 9 p.m. Wednesday at Kopi Events. If you can come with your coffee, that will be the best. If you're going to come up with water, it's also the best. For now, ciao.